If you just want to turn around and ask everyone how their week has been. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, the praise band's just going to come up now and lead us in worship. Thanks. please. Generation 
So, how are you all doing this evening? Jep or Joe? How are you doing? Not so bad, not so bad. So, I hope you are excited for next week. Um, 
Give me another yo. That's the way, Alistair. Hope you're excited for next week. Oh, jeepers, George. Um, so next week is our events week, our missions week. What is it properly called? Is it event? Events week. Events week. Um, and I have just a quick question for you before we start. And that one is, how comfortable um, are you? Um, how comfortable are you to come along to see you on Thursday nights? Um, how comfortable are you to go along to your small group? Um, even how comfortable are you to go along to the prayer meeting? Um, because for me, those things are all very comfortable. Um, and I can sit in those in total comfort and total peace and not be worried or not be stressed. Um, but how comfortable is it for you, how comfortable is it for me to step out um, and to go into this campus with the love of Jesus in our hearts and to try and show that? Um, that makes me uncomfortable, that makes me nervous, but that makes me so excited. What a privilege it is and what, a, what an opportunity we have to go into this campus um, and obviously that, that has been going on all the year, hopefully. But this is one week where we are just going to blitz the place um, and just go nuts with God's love around this place. Um, so that is what this week is for. Um, just let you know, we had, last Tuesday, we had our kind of the first of our lunchtime talks, um, or we were supposed to have the first of our lunchtime talks. Uh, but unfortunately, we had to cancel that um, because there was nobody there. Um, and I wonder how does that, how does that look for people on the outside looking into RCU? Um, for those people that are looking and thinking, the people that are running this aren't even supporting this. Um, and that's a thing that's kind of hit me over the last week. You know, if we say that we believe in something, if we say that, we, that, we, that God has done something in our hearts and our lives, are we willing to step out, to, make, to go into the uncomfortable, to go into the awkward times, um, because we want to share that love? Um, so let's not let that happen again. Let's not just sit and be comfortable in our CU here in, on Thursday night. Um, but let's get up of our seats um, and let's go into this campus um, with the love of Jesus. So I'm going to give you a rundown of everything that's happening next week for you to get involved in. Um, this can, we can't do this um, with one person. I can't do this on my own. The CU committee can't do this on their own. This is, this is the CU body, the body of Christ in this place. Um, so this is our, our big chance to go forward. Um, so I'm going to give you a rundown of some of the things that are going to be happening over the next week. And I want you to get so excited about these things and be praying for these things. Um, so here we have events week, Monday, text a treat. Such a simple wee thing. All, we're going to go around. We're going to hand out some leaflets um, with exactly people text, text a number about a question about God. And we go and answer that question and we give them a sweet. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. So that is going to be happening at, one, at 11 a.m. on Monday, 11 to 1. Um, so we're going to be meeting on the mezzanine. Um, the mezzanine is going to be our place where we're meeting before every event. Um, that's going to, we're going to meet and we're going to group. Um, so we're going to be meeting there um, on the mezzanine at half 10. That's a very good question, Andy Matthews. The mezzanine is, if you go out of the library, well, if you're actually walking out of the library, you just keep going straight. Don't turn right to go back up into the uni, and you just go straight across, and there's a nice wee open area across there. That is the mezzanine. Um, so we're going to be meeting there at half ten um, on Monday morning, and we're going to go around, and we're going to blitz the place with these. We've got, lots, got small little leaflets. We're going to go mental in uni here, and we're going to go mental down in halls and just 
give them out everywhere. Um, so that would be a great way just to have people um, just doing random acts of kindness to hand these things out. Um, and then on Monday night, we have a table quiz. Yeah. Everybody loves a good table quiz. Um, so again, that's going to be a place for you to bring your non-Christian friends and your classmates along to. Um, there's going to be a small word of testimony that night. Um, there's going to be no major speaking, no major, um, nothing very Christian-wise, but that is just going to be a place where we can go um, and we can build up some relationships and just um, just bring them into that place where it's going to be safe. Um, and every that's, that's the idea behind all of these events is that they're going to be safe places for those people that don't know Jesus to come into um, and just to experience the love of God. Um, so that is at 7 o'clock in the SU bar, which is where, for those of you who are around here on the first week um, of uni, it is just out through there. Um, so that should be a great night. And then we have Tuesday. Could everyone who is available please come along? Yes. Tuesday, yes. I didn't write these. Um, so Tuesday is our, well, I was going to say the second of our lunchtime talks. It is our lunchtime talk, um, and it is going to be on the person of Jesus and what he can do for us. Um, so many people have heard of this word Jesus, have been, been growing up, heard of this man, um, but to so many, he's nothing more than a swear word um, and nothing more than something religious. So this is a chance for people to come along um, and to just listen. And hear about what Jesus, who Jesus really is, and what Jesus can really do for us. Um, and guys, let's be honest: a crowd draws a crowd. Um, if that place is totally empty, that's not going to be a comfortable place for anybody who's passing by to come and sit. Um, but if that place is busy, if that place um, has plenty of people about it, people are going to come. Um, so we would love all of you, if you are available, if you aren't in class. Um, to come to that and to bring a friend, bring an unchristian friend. Um, again, it's going to be just a really relaxed time. So that's um, be great to see you there. And then at 7 p.m. that night, we've got some football and Zumba coming on. Jeepers yeah. Alistair, you are excited, brother. It's good to hear it. Um, so then, yes, that is happening next Tuesday um, night at 7 p.m. Venue are yet to be decided. Um, we're having some issues with that, but it will be, it will be decided. Don't worry. Um, so we're going to meet... Um, at 7 o'clock at the sports complex outside there. So that's, again, a great place to bring any of your classmates on, Christian friends, for Game of Footy or a wee dance of Zumba. That's how it goes. Um, and, yes, again, sorry, for the Tuesday, um, for the lunchtime talk, we're going to be meeting at half past 11 on the mezzanine to go around and to hand out leaflets. Um, so that's for, that's for everybody to get involved in. And if you keep an eye on the Facebook, all this will be being refreshed over the whole week. Um, and then we go to Wednesday. Um, so again, we're going to do, do a random act of kindness and we're going to go down to halls and we're going to wash people's dishes for them. Um, so like, it's just outstanding. Yes, Sheree? Yes. Well, if I was living in halls, I would be quite happy if people washed my dishes. So we're, we're hoping that other people think the same. Um, so, yes, we are going to meet again on the mezzanine at half past one. We're going to group, and we're going to go down the halls, and we're going to spring clean the place, just blitz it Kimanagi style, go nuts. Um, and then that night, we have our pudding party and acoustic night in here. 
Everybody loves some free pudding and free music. Um, so again, just a really relaxed night. Come along, and if you could bring a pudding as, a, as well as a friend, that'll be unreal. So, you know, lads, if you want to get some baking skills going on, get working on that. And then on to our Thursday. This is a busy week, but guys, this is an amazing week, and it could be just so useful um, for God in this place. So let's go for it. Um, a nail bar in the mall from 11.30 to 1.30. So if you want to get a cheeky wee manicure, Alistair Nelson, I know you hands are beautiful. Yes, it's for free. So you couldn't, you couldn't not get a free manicure, let's be honest. Um, so yes, that is from 11.30 um, to 1.30 on... I don't know whereabouts we're having that. On the mezzanine, yes. Everything's happening on the mezzanine. Um, and then, as well as that, so during that time whenever that's going on, um, we're going to go around and we're going to hand out some Easter eggs. So they're not full-size Easter eggs, they're small Easter eggs, but they're still Easter eggs. Um, so, yes, we're going to meet at 11 on the mezzanine again, and we're just going to go around and hand out some Easter surprises and the things. And then, to finish it off, um, we have our Thursday night meeting here next Thursday night. And... And that's going to be a really um, just gospel-focused night. Um, going to be a really safe place. It's going to be just probably more chilled and more relaxed than we're used to. Um, but that's going to be a place um, where, you know, we're just praying that God will just come and really speak and move. Um, so that, this is, this, that is really just the place for you to bring those people that you know are searching. Um, and just invite them along for a really chilled, relaxed night. Um, but just praying that God will speak to them and God will just really move in their lives. Um, and that is it. That is our events week. Are you excited? Yeah. Are you excited? Jeepers, yeah. George. So, uh, guys, it's up, it's up to us. Um, this could be an amazing week or it could be an absolute failure, depending on whether we get behind it, whether we put in the effort, put the work in. Um, so keep an eye on the Facebook page overall the next week. All these things will be going up there, and let's get excited and get involved. Um, I believe there's also some other announcements. Is there? Hold on, hold on. Yes, so um, going on through events week, we're going to have prayer meetings um, every morning. Um, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, anyway. Um, in the chaplaincy at 8.30 p.m. Um, just to come and to bring this place before God in prayer. And just pray that he will take anything that we do and use it for him. Um, and then we have iCafe Wednesday evening, 7.30 in the staff common room. Um, so, yeah, be great if you could go along there and help out, as, um, help out there as well. And I think the idea is that the, go, the guys from there are going to be coming up here to the pudding night. Um, so, yeah, if you could, you could go down there beforehand and um, get chatting to some of the international guys and then um, come up here with them after so you'll not miss out in the pudding. Jeepers, what happened there? Yeah, see you formal. Yes. Um, 20th of March, half past seven, Donadry Hotel. Tickets are £30. Ten pounds deposit in tonight to Lydia, please. Um, aye, should be a great night's crack. Um, so get your deposit in for that and should be great. And now I'm just going to um, get Hannah to come up and Hannah is going to tell us a little bit about CEO Annual Conference and our mission for this year. 
Okay, so we've got a busy couple of weeks and see you. Um, so next week, you are all going to be really tired. Going to have a weekend at home to relax after a really busy week of um, events. And then the next week, you're going to have the formal. And you know what? You're going to just want to spend all your time with your CU friends that you're going to want to go down to Dublin and have a whole weekend together. And you're going to want to come to this here. Um, it's going to be all about the church and why it exists, what's its purpose. And I was at this last year and I loved it. Um, and I'm not just saying that to try and get used to come. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, there's loads of different um, seminars during the day. Last year I was at one um, on Islam and it was a man who um, was living the Muslim faith and became a Christian. And he told us all about um, his beliefs before becoming a Christian. And then um, he turned around and was like, right, I want um, you to try and tell me the gospel. Um, it was really challenging and it was really, um, it was good to just see from his side of it and from um, the things that um, he believed before he became a Christian. So, um, yeah, I'd really recommend just come to this. It's only £40 for the weekend if you want to rough it. It's a bargain, yeah. <laughs> um, and do you know what? You meet people from all over Ireland. Um, some people are in CUs with only one or two people. So you're really giving them an encouragement by um, being there to chat to them about what's going on in our CU. Um, and yeah, it's really, really good. So I recommend you come. And you need to get booked in this week. And you can do it online. So there's absolutely no excuse to miss out. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, one more announcement was, could the first and second year girls who are going the formal please wait behind tonight uh, after? Thank you. Uh, Phil, could I ask you to come up to the CU sofa and find out a bit about yourself? Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few more <coughs> questions, but first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your name? Do you have family? What's, that's all that sort of thing. Uh, so my name, is this on? Is this on? Everyone can hear me? Yeah. Yeah, great. Again, that's thumbs up. Anyway. Uh, so my name's Phil. I'm from Carrickfergus. I'm 27. I have one wife. I have one dad, one mum. And I recently became a dad. Um, and it's, his name's Oliver. He's five months old. He's a legend. He's sleeping like 11, 12 hours a night. I was telling people earlier that I found sick and baby food on these clothes from the last time that I wore them, so that's disgusting. But uh, yeah, it's fine. Sorry. <laughs> okay, a few quick fire questions. Uh, Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Okay, good choice. Rugby or football? Rugby. Again, brilliant choice. Tea or coffee? Neither. I'm an athlete. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Romantic dinner uh, or long walks on the beach? Oh, I'm all about food, romantic dinner. Happy days. Uh, okay. Would you rather fight, uh, fight ten duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Do you know what I actually got asked this question two days ago? I would probably say one, one, because I think I could outrun the one. Whereas 50, like you're kind of, you could be mauled. Good answer, good answer. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree. Okay, and lastly, uh, would you like to give us an insight on what you'll be speaking about tonight in your talk? I'm going to be speaking about evangelism. And uh, how do we tell people about Jesus, basically, is a good summary. And hopefully it'll be great.
That's brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> Look forward to hearing what you have to say to us later. Okay, uh, the praise band, they're going to come back up now. So. Whatever it is, like the Stamwith is here and just is here. Give thanks to the Lord for the night so far He's given us. Consuming fire, fan into 
So I may be seated. Thank you. would be good. Good evening. Uh, so my name's Phil. I don't really need this mic, actually, I've just realized. So I can stand over here so you can all see me. Um, would it be better if I was down there? Are you happy with here? I'm happy with here. I'm getting people saying, do not go in front of those, otherwise there's feedback. OK. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, I want to start by asking you a pretty simple question. And hopefully it'll come up on the screen if this trigger works. It doesn't work. Alistair, can you bluff? Brilliant. What do you love? That's the question I want to start off with tonight. What do you love? I'm sure, uh, I'm not sure what comes into your head. It kind of might be a football team. It might be a pet, kind of like a hamster or a dog. It may even be that someone special that you send those roses to on Valentine's Day. Um, but whatever it is, I'm going to give you a maximum of 30 seconds each. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and say what you love and why you love it. Go. <laughs> <coughs> Okay, that's 30 seconds, so let the other person speak. great about that exercise is that it seemed that you all had something to talk about. Why? Well, because whenever you love something, it's really easy to talk about. You're interested in it. You spent time and effort, money maybe, energy, and whatever it is that you talked about. So for example, a, a, a sports team, a football team even, you spend hours watching matches. You put effort in, no matter if your team are doing well, if they're getting beat. You put energy into knowing about your team, defending your team, building up a knowledge about them, because you love it. And if you ask to talk about it, it's completely natural. It's easy. You may even be spurred on whenever you start uh, with the person next to you kind of lit up and say, I love that too. You could see their, their passion and you were loving it. <laughs> or else it was a bit awkward because actually you said, my love is Man United and they really support Liverpool. But you don't care because you love it. What about God? What about Christianity? What about telling people the good news about who Jesus is, why he came, and what that actually means for you and me? So I've been asked to come and speak on evangelism. And as soon as I say the word, I don't know what goes into your head. I think we have a tendency to kind of disassociate because we link this, this word with, with guilt or awkwardness. Or we simply just say things, listen, I don't know enough. What if I get asked a hard question? Listen, I'm not the expert, okay? And we also have a tendency to kind of over-spiritualize this word and what we're to do. 
Over an actuality together, what I want to do is to help us to be bold, to be confident, if I could say that confidently, and be natural in telling other people about Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to assume that everyone in this room is a Christian. And if you're not, it's great that you're here um, looking for answers. And maybe in the question and answer time after, you can disagree with something that maybe I've said, and it'll help us in this stuff. Um, my disclaimer at the start of the night um, is that I'm not going to be going into too much depth, um, but I'm going to kind of look at quite a, a number of things and kind of jump to and fro uh, so that you take more ownership of your faith and you start to make it a natural thing to talk about. Hopefully, this will spark conversations that you can, you can have after tonight has happened. Now, for me personally, I think it is better to look at a passage more in depth, but hopefully you'll forgive me this evening. Whenever I say the name Pendulet, hands up who knows who I'm talking about. If I say Penn and Teller, hands up if you know what I'm talking about, same people. Flick it on there. This is the guy here. Uh, this guy is an avid atheist. Uh, he's brought out a book recently called Every Day is an Atheist Holiday, and he's also got a book called God Know, Signs You May Already Be an Atheist and Other Magical Tales. Um, he's a magician. He's pretty big in America. And after a show one night, he posted uh, a video that I hope will work. And whenever he says the word prophetize, by the way, he's talking about evangelism, just telling other people about Jesus. So if you click across there. Oh, we're having a techno, technical breakdown, are we, Alistair? Do you want me to tell a joke? Oh, I was hoping you'd be finished. I don't really have a joke. Does anyone have a joke you want to tell? You're just pointing at Phil. just pointing at Phil. That's a bit harsh. We talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has, uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so we had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, you know, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and... Uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you." And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm I'm sane, I'm not crazy. 
And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And that's coming from an atheist. And I think that's a massive challenge, isn't it? I don't know if you felt guilty at all whenever you heard him say the line, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them? And sometimes guilt is the right thing that actually we should be feeling. But I want us to see tonight, and that's why I started with the question, what do you love? That our main motivation must be out of love, love for God and love for others. We need a bigger picture of how incredible God really is, of how lost we are without him. But the first thing in our mind actually might be, well, what's ours to do? What are we supposed to do? And I've got three points, which will be great for you to know. The first one's this, be prepared. 1 Peter 3, 15 says this, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. Always. 2.30 in the morning with a flatmate and you're wrecked and he suddenly turns around and says, listen, why do you read the Bible? Always be prepared. You're stressing out in the car and a friend turns and says out of the blue, listen, why do you believe all that Jesus stuff? Always be prepared. If we have set Jesus Christ apart as Lord in our hearts, we will be prepared and actually gives us something to say. But actually, here's my worry, okay? That we, we ourselves, have questions. We've got issues, we've even got doubts. And we let them stir around in our heads, but we never do anything about it. 
We don't talk about it with other Christians, or anyone for that matter. We don't read books by godly people who put time and effort into a topic so we can glean from their wisdom. And not only that, but then we start to use lines that we talked about at the start, like, I don't know enough, and what if I get asked a hard question? The Bible says that we are to be prepared, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. I want to challenge you tonight to take your faith seriously. I was talking to an atheist who just loves to chat about God things. Why? His reason is this. If what Christians talk about is really the greatest news there is, if it deals with the reality of the world, about God, about eternity, why would you not want to chat about it? Why would you not want to learn about it? Why would you not want to read about it all the time? But here's the thing. You're never going to know everything. Now I know that I'm talking to the great students of UUJ. (laughs) Yes. But you're never going to know it all. No matter how many books you read, you may still come across a conversation or get asked a question that you've never thought of before. I want to share with you two words that changed my life, two words that I think of whenever I get those doubts of, listen, what happens if someone actually asks me a really difficult question? So what? It's two words changed my life. So what? Who cares? You don't know an answer. So what? Just use the three simple words of, I don't know. But don't just leave it there. Say, listen, that's a, that's a good question. I don't actually know that. But show the seriousness of of what you're talking about. Go away, look it up. Don't just leave it. Actually bring it up with them again and actually they'll really appreciate it because it'll show that you really care about what you were talking about. We need to be prepared. What's ours to do? Firstly, be prepared. Secondly, take responsibility. Take responsibility. The whole way through the Bible, there's this tension between our responsibility, between human responsibility and God's sovereignty, his ultimate power, his authority over all things. So we read Philippians 2, 12 and 13. We read this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to, to, will, in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Okay, so what's ours to do? And this is where I need your help, okay? From this verse, what is ours to do? Someone shout out and help me out so I don't look stupid at the front here. From, that, from those verses... Obey, yeah. What else? Continue to work work what? You're right, like. Continue to work out your salvation. Next bit. Continue to work out your salvation with with fear and with trembling. But then what's God's to do? Well, it says the exact next verse, whenever you read it side by side. For it is God who works in you. It's here. The two go hand in hand. It's two sides of the same coin. Human responsibility and God's sovereignty go hand in hand. And listen, sorry for all the Bible flicking tonight, but the next passage is this, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 7. It says, therefore, since, God, since, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, he said, that light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Okay, so what's ours to do? Well, we're to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. That's, that's what's ours to do. But what's God doing? He's shining his light into our hearts. 
The two go hand in hand. Human responsibility and God's ultimate power and control. It's not our responsibility to make people believe, but it is our responsibility to tell them. It's not our responsibility to make them believe, but it is our responsibility to tell them. And the tension between these two things runs right throughout the Bible. So we need to take responsibility. We can't hide in a corner and think, listen, I, I just have to sit here. God's got it sorted. And actually, it stops us from going to the opposite extreme and think, it's all on me. It's about my words, my arguments, my intellect, my knowledge. As we read the Bible, we see that we can't do that. We're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're in a spiritual battle. We need to know what, ours, what is ours to do in this war, and that is to take responsibility. I don't know if you've kind of had an amazing conversation with a friend one night. You use kind of all the right arguments and persuasions, and they still don't believe, and you get frustrated. Why? Well, it's because we're forgetting God's part in all this. If you're a Christian here tonight, it's because of the grace of God. If you really believe in the grace of God, it helps us understand why maybe you're a Christian and your friend isn't. Is it because you've gone to more meetings than them? Is it because you've been raised in church? Is it because you listen better? Is it because you're more humble? No. It's because of the grace of God. We're in a spiritual battle, so we need to be prepared and take responsibility. Thirdly, we need to be natural. I'll say it again, I think that we have a tendency to kind of over-spiritualize things, and we can feel uncomfortable, and we can feel weird. So, for example, another word I could far out is theology. Some people might think now boring, irrelevant, some might think scholars or professionals, but actually we're all theologians. Don't over-spiritualize. Right now we're looking at theology. I have a friend who describes it like this. Theology is the meaning of eternal truth, God's word, and temporal situation, our experience. I'll say it again. Theology is the meaning of eternal truth, God's word, and temporal situation, our experience. And we do this all the time. We read our Bibles and we think, how does this affect our reality? It seems simple, but yet we over-spiritualize and we do exactly the same with evangelism. There's a man from Scotland named David Robertson. He wrote a book called The Dawkins Letters in response to Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. And he tells a story of a woman in his church. She was uh, asking for advice. She was married to a non-Christian guy. Um, and he said, listen, just model. Just live out your Christian faith. He says that a week later, she came back, and she was really apologetic. And she said, listen, David, I, I didn't take your advice. I'm sorry. She said about how one night she couldn't sleep. And so what she did was she just woke up, and she started to read her Bible. She was reading the book of Ephesians. And she got so excited that she woke up her husband to tell him about how joyful she was whenever she read this. Robertson says that's the type of passion that we need. Because let's be honest, her husband will always remember that her wife was willing to wake him up in the middle of the night. But Robertson says instead of seeking this passion, what we seek are kind of strategies and answers. So we kind of wait for this woman to bring out a book called Nighttime Evangelism, 10 Steps for Reaching Out During Sleep. When all she was doing was being natural, we need to be natural. We need to talk about it. It needs to be commonplace, common chat. So it's a natural thing to do. And what do I mean? But let's, let's unpack that a wee bit. Who are we made in the image of? We're made in the image of God. We're made to reflect Him. And actually, this makes sense, okay? Because whenever we see each other, you and I were people, okay? That means that we're relational and we speak. You and I are people. I'm sure no one will disagree with that unless C3PO sitting at the back. But because we are all people, it means that we are relational. Our God is a relational God. He's a relationship within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's core to who he is, and that's why it's core to who we are as well. This is why we like hanging out with other people. 
But what makes it tough is sin. Like everything else, it tarnishes our relationships. But we're made to be in relationship. And we're also made to speak. Our God is a speaking God. The Bible is God's word. Jesus is described as the word made flesh. He created by the power of his words. And over 500 times in the Bible it says, the Lord says. Words are important to God. And that's exactly why words are important to you and me. This is why evangelism needs to be natural. Be relational and speak. We need to tell people about Jesus. If we love him, we'll do it naturally. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul uses the word ambassador. To, to be an ambassador means an authorized messenger or representative. You know, you think of, of our nations, we've kind of got foreign ambassadors speaking on behalf of their country, trying to build relationships with other countries. You think of advertising, we have celebrities speaking on behalf of, of a particular brand or product. And hopefully you pick up from this verse that an ambassador is actually someone who speaks. We are to be people who speak, who share by our words what God has done in our life. Jesus also calls us to be his witnesses at the end of Matthew's gospel. And again, this imagery kind of brings up this idea of being a witness maybe in the stand of a court case and we're called to speak. We're to speak for Jesus and we're to live for Jesus. And this is exactly what you see you're here for. You guys are a student-led mission team on campus. You guys have a great committee. You guys have great opportunities to serve during this short time whenever you're students. And I know we kind of want to push back against this. You know, Colin stands up and says about all the events, and we feel inadequate. We feel that we can't do it. Can I be honest? I'm pretty terrible at it as well. You give me a room like this, I'm all over it. You sit me down in front of someone one-on-one, -on -one, I begin to sweat. But I really want to big up Mission Week to you guys. And to do it as in a personal invite, don't be annoyed if you do a blanket Facebook invite and no one turns up to the event. We are relational people. We're made in the image of God. Relationships matter and words matter. So with the friends that you already have a relationship with, speak. And the great thing about Mission Week is you don't even have to be equipped to be able to, to say anything. All you need to do is say, listen, we've got this event happening. Do you want to come along? And the, the person at the front will do the rest. It's an incredible opportunity that you guys have right in your doorstep. There are so many people here from so many different backgrounds, so many different religions, and they have the opportunity to hear and to know Jesus, and they're in your classes. You know them. They're your friends. They're your peers. I think it's a great opportunity, and we need to take it. And actually, we need to keep encouraging each other and remind ourselves, like the verse in 1 Peter, if we set apart Jesus Christ as Lord, then we have something to say. But that makes us think, well, what... What do we say? What, what constitutes the gospel? What is the gospel? Which is just another way of saying, what's the good news of Jesus? I'm going to give you a minute. And with the person beside you, I want you to talk about what are the key things that make up the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're not a Christian here tonight. That's fine from the conversations that you've had. Just talk to me. What do you think are the main points to do with Christianity? I'll give you a minute. Talk with the person beside you. Go.
Ten seconds left. Three, two, one, zero, and you're back in the room. I don't know whether you find that difficult, I don't know whether you find that easy, but hopefully that starts up a conversation that you guys can continue uh, afterwards. There are many different ways to talk about the gospel. If you read through the gospels, the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John for yourself, you see that Jesus himself keeps using different illustrations and examples depending on who he's with. If you look up John 3 and you see the story of Jesus with Nicodemus, he talks about this idea of being born again. Whenever he's with the woman at the well in John 4, he talks about this idea of living water. Whenever he's speaking to the, to the fishermen who, who he asked to be disciples, he uses the language of making them fishers of men. It varies depending on who he was talking to, but the substance was always the same. The gospel never changes and never will. I heard a line from my boss recently, and it was this. We need people to hear the good news of Jesus in a language and in concepts that they understand. We need to be translators. Can we explain what you guys talked about? It's a bit unfair to only give you a minute, I know. But can we explain this easily to our friends down the pub or at the students' union or wherever it might be in your class if you're given the opportunity? To mention David Robertson again, he says with people there need to be three things. He says there needs to be contact, connection, and communication. We need to be in contact with people who don't know Jesus. And this is why the missions, the events week is so good because there's, there's loads of opportunities. You know, there's the quiz, there's, there's the football or the, the Zumba. Um, to get involved and to bring people along to. Just go up to someone if you don't know them and just say, here, you know, how's it going? They'd probably feel as work as you do being there, maybe. But we need to connect on their level. We need to see where they're at. And then we need to communicate, speak and tell them about Jesus. Guys, to close with, I want to pilfer uh, from the wisdom of Rico Tice. Cool name, I think. Uh, he's the guy behind Christianity Explored. And I used this at a training day that I was at a while back, and I found that really helpful. Um, if you do have a Bible on your phone or whatever, if you turn to, to Mark's Gospel, um, chapter 8, and it's verses 27 to 38. Um, but Rico splits this passage up. It's the middle, middle chapter, kind of the turning point um, of Mark's biography of Jesus. And he splits it into three. And he says, actually, you can do this the whole way through Mark's Gospel by splitting it up into Jesus' identity, Jesus' mission, and Jesus' call. So who Jesus is, why he came, and what he demands. So Mark 8, 27 to 30 says this. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. This is Jesus' identity. This is who he is. Peter in this passage rightly says that Jesus is the Christ. He is God's promised king foretold in the Old Testament, God's champion who would come to defeat sin, uh, death, and the devil. Jesus is God made flesh. You want to know who God is? You want to know what God's like? You want to know what he's about, what his character's like? You look to Jesus. That's his identity. The Mark 8, 31 to 33 is Jesus' mission. This is why he came. Verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. We read here about Jesus predicting his own death, his own suffering, and even his own resurrection. I mean, this is incredible. 
I mean, Jesus is just like Lionel Del Rey's, Del Rey's song. He was born to die, born to come, born to suffer, born to die on a cross. And why? To take the punishment that we deserve for rejecting the rightful ruler of our world. And he did it to bring forgiveness. Our world cries out for forgiveness, for reconciliation, for relationship. And Jesus did this. He's the one who took the punishment for sin. And the great news is he didn't stay dead. He rose to life, defeated death, and because of this can offer us new life. What an incredible mission. What an incredible mission. So that's his identity, that's his mission, and then we get his call. What does Jesus demand? What does it mean for us? Well, Mark 8, 34 to 38. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So in this section, we hear that Jesus says to the crowd, so to everybody listening, what the cost of, of trusting and following him actually is. I mean, everything has a cost these days. Even free time has a cost. You know, you want to go to the cinema, you want a cheeky Mickey D's, it's going to cost you. But Jesus is clear here with his call that there's a cost to following him. And it's going to involve standing up for him. It's going to involve suffering for his name. Enrico Tice says that all these three elements need to be in place in order for someone to properly grasp and understand what it is to be a Christian. Who Jesus is, why he came, and what it means for us. But actually he gives a warning what happens if you leave a certain part out. If I had time, we could split up into groups um, and think about this for ourselves. But here's a few examples. If someone gets who Jesus is, his identity, and why he came, his mission, but doesn't understand what it means for them and what Jesus demands, then they'll do what they want. They'll not see that it has any relevance to them. They'll not see this idea of faith that leads to the obedience that you read about in Romans. There's no preparation for suffering as a Christian, and I'm sure you can think of examples, or you could chat about examples later. If someone gets who Jesus is, his identity, and the call for them, but doesn't get why Jesus came, then they will think it's all about them. It's their good works that get them right with God. Rather than saying that it's because we're not good enough. You are not good enough for God. I am not good enough for God. This is why Jesus came, because we can't get to God on our own. We aren't good enough. We need Jesus. And finally, if people see why Jesus came and what he demands, but they don't see actually who he is, then they'll never understand the point of the cross, why it's so central to the Christian faith. And maybe you have this idea of kind of relativism, that it's okay for you, that works for you, that's cool, rather than saying that Jesus is the Lord of everything. And I'm sure you could go away and think of examples for yourself, but hopefully it's got you thinking. So evangelism, what's ours to do? Well, be prepared, take responsibility, and be natural. That means be relational, and it means to speak. And we touched on what we share, the gospel, the good news of God. Can we actually explain this clearly for ourselves? If we're asked the question, do we know who Jesus is, why he came, and what it means for us? Can we point people in the Bible what, what God says? If you're a Christian here tonight, it means that you should love God and love others. So actually, I'll finish as I started. What do you love? If you use love as the motivation, I hope that you're going to be inspired, to be bold, to be confident, to always be prepared, to take responsibility and be natural in talking to people about this great news. And let's be honest, guys, great news is for sharing. Let me pray. 
Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're a generous God, a merciful God, a faithful God. Father, we thank you so much that you did send Jesus. We thank you that he points to you, that he reconciles us to you, that he offers forgiveness, that he offers new life, that he defeated death. Father, we thank you so much for these powerful truths. And Father, we just pray for the events week. We're bringing it up before you now. Um, yeah, Father, would you, would you use us? We thank you that you are in control. I thank you that we have responsibility. I thank you that the Bible shows that there's attention here. So Father, would you work in us as we work out our salvation, as we, we seek to be bold and confident and asking our friends along to these events and, and striking up these conversations. And Father, help us to continue these conversations, um, not just tonight, um, but as we continue on in our Christian walk with you. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Okay, so the first question is, when evangelizing, is it better to win the argument even if we lose the person as a friend? Um, I would say no. Um, I would actually say win the person, not the argument. And I don't, I think probably with that mindset, it's difficult, isn't it? But um, if you read Acts 17, the language that's used is quite a lot about persuasion, um, not necessarily kind of about getting into arguments and it becoming heated, but actually it's trying to persuade the person. Um, so sometimes it can get a bit heated and people lose the plot, but actually um, we need to have compassion for people. Um, you know, Jesus loved people and that's exactly what we need to do. And to think about that and to be careful about that and to realize maybe whenever two people are, are really tired, um, but... Uh, yeah, I would say you're always going to have um, disagreements with friends. You know, I've got friends who, who aren't Christian and, and they wouldn't agree with everything that I would say, but I think it's making sure that that communication is always open in case that conversation strikes up. Um, you know, I know there's been times where you can have friends who maybe aren't that helpful and do strike up arguments, and so if that person's around, those conversations don't get started up because people are just like, I couldn't be bothered getting into this because I know the way it's going to finish. Um, and have you ever been in the position where you were asked a question about the Bible and thought it was difficult to answer? Uh, yeah, all the time. Um, but I think that's the great thing. Just one thing that I've learned whenever I've been having conversations, there's a guy who I absolutely love from um, Stranmiller. So I used to work for um, IFSR in the Christian Unions. Um, I'm going to say go to the annual conference. It'll be brilliant. It'll be great. Um, but I, I remember talking with a, a student from Stranmiller and um, he's an atheist. He always said, don't, don't use me whenever you're at the front. That, you know, that's not what he's there for. Um, but what I loved about him is just, he loved to ask questions. And I think the good thing for me is that it stretches you. Um, if we believe that this is the truth, um, we're talking about eternity, we're talking about God, we're talking about serious issues. Um, and actually, it's good to be asked hard questions. You know, what, what is it I believe? Um, and I think until you're asked some questions, it kind of stretches you, it causes you to go away, it causes you to want to learn, it causes you to kind of think, Flip, I don't have all the answers. And actually that causes you maybe to become a bit more humble in the conversations that you're having, and maybe causes you to be less argumentative as well. And the last one, um, why are there so many Protestant religions, for example, Presbyterian, Baptist, and only one Catholic religious group? That's a good point. I think because... I suppose it's to realize that the difference between what, um, what all those people stand for, um, I suppose a good one to go for is the Baptist because it's in their name, isn't it? That um, they have a, a strong belief over 
the type of baptism. Um, and I think there are so many different types of Protestant churches because um, they all kind of have stronger beliefs towards secondary issues, whereas actually they all believe in the fundamental trust of the gospel. Um, you know, they'll all believe that, that Jesus came, that, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, um, but it's all the secondary issues. Uh, why is there only one Catholic church? I think it's because um, of the guy who's about to re be replaced in. Um, they have one pope and, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. That was yeah, helpful survive. and encouraging. Um, I think the praise band are going to come up now and collect the So I think we're going to collect the offering now, yeah? And dig deep into our student loans, you know? Get the door shut, you guess say. Well, it's the offering collected. Would you just, just all like to stand with us for the last couple of songs, please?
Same our lyrics, they like, they really touched me like so little. And you know, just as I have friends and me myself, like as I'll do, you know, I want to see them come to the Lord. You know, I'm not gonna lie. You know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of courage, like just to just stand up for Jesus. You know, because He thought we were important that He gave. You know, it's just so true that like we need to tell our friends what can wash away their sins. That's nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> you know, there's no other way about it, you know. And that's what they need. I'm just gonna sing that chorus one more time and that'll be us. Nothing but the blood, 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus And what can wash us pure as snow Father God, Lord, just I thank you for this night, Father God. I thank you for your word, Father God. Father God, I thank you for your love and your mercy towards us, Father God. And Father God, I just pray for this week ahead, Father, that you would prepare our hearts, Father God, and that you would guide us in the way to go, Father God. And I just pray, Father, even for one soul saved, Father, it's worth it, Father God. I just pray, Lord, that you'll send us out there, Father, to, to fly that flag for Jesus, Father, not in the mall and in our university, Father God, because... It's not being flown, Father. We need a flat, Father. We need a we need to chase after you. Chase hard after you, Father God. And seek your face for our friends, for our families, Father God. Because only you alone can rescue and you alone can save, Father God. My heart's burdened tonight, Father, for that, Father. Just ask you for that, Father. Just ask you for the rest of the night, Father, for our banter and our, our fellowship that it would be pure and it would be right before you, Father God. Let's ask us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to Jordanstown CU. It's great to have you, and that's us finished. Thank you. Sorry. Okay, I kind of forgot a wee bit of the announcement earlier. <laughs> um, but I'm really glad I didn't because... But I did forget because um, I know Phil really challenged me tonight just about even next week and um, all the events going on. But um, a step further from next week, um, what are you doing in the summer? Um, maybe you have like a four-month summer or a three-month summer and you're not sure what you're doing. Or maybe you're going your final year and you have a few months break before you start working. Um, well... Jordanstown CU are taking a team to Dublin again, um, not to annual conference this time, but we're going down for a week, third week of August, to tell boys and girls and young people about Jesus. So um, tonight we're hearing all about how we are a mission team. If you're a Christian, if you're, um, if you're saved and you know Jesus is your saviour, then you need to be serving him in some kind of a way. And maybe you think you... Um, you can't, you don't know how to do that or anything, but um, God's given each one of you talents and gifts, and um, this is an opportunity for you to use them, whether it's talking to a five-year-old or a 15-year-old, um, they're all gifts in itself, and um, yeah, just to let you know, third week of August, um, to really think about it, you're going to hear more about it in the next few weeks, um, but if you're excited and you want to know more just come and ask one of the committee about it um okay we're properly finished now
Sorry, guys. Um, one more thing. <laughs> um, it was announced tonight that it, uh, they wanted a deposit for the formal, and that would be great if you could um, put in a £10 deposit. But if you can't, that doesn't mean you can't go to the formal. That was really short notice. And um, you can definitely, if you put your name down, if you give your name to Lydia. Lydia, could you stand, stand up? <laughs> if you give your name to Lydia um, and then you can get the money to her next week or as soon as possible, that would be great. Thank you. Oh, and first and second year girls that are organising the formal down at the back.